Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. You had to be there, the performance rankings, a slight tangent, and the crappy quiz. Have you ever done therapy, Adrian? Specifically related to the crappy quiz, though. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. The Football Kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. Welcome along to the football kickoff with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports each weekend. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Leave a comment on the live stream as well. I'm delighted to say we've got Key Tracy and Colin Buig here with me as well to look forward to this weekend's games. How are you getting on, lads? How are you doing? A bit. Um, hard to know where to start. I mean, in a way, this weekend pans out that you've got the two Premier League title contenders, FA Cup semi-final weekend next weekend. So both teams will want to keep going in the chase. Europe is kind of in around here, maybe possibly some squad rotations. Yep. And City and Arsenal both up against teams who are fighting for points at the wrong end of the table. And we know how tight things are at the bottom as well. And another game that I'm really interested in, Keith, you've got Aston Villa against Newcastle tomorrow. It's on BT Sport at half twelve the two informed teams in the Premier League outside the top two. Uh, Villa looking to win five in a row for the first time this century. John Gregory was the manager when Villa lasted five league wins in a row. And Newcastle have found form just at the right time as well. They've won their last five and are up to third place. This, I think, is a pretty intriguing fixture. Yeah, I do. I think this will be a great game. I think, I don't want to put the, the commentators course in it, but I think we'll get goals in this one. We should. Both teams in, in fantastic form, as you say. And to be fair, like it, it's very hard to split the two managers. I'm obviously personally not a huge fan of Eddie Howe, but what he's done at Newcastle has been outstanding. The way he, he he's gone about it since they've got since they lost the the cup final to Manchester United, they've been pretty much flawless, absolutely excellent. And it's it's very easy to forget that when Illinois Emery took Aston Villa over, they were only a point outside the relegation zone, mm. and all of a sudden they're in sixth spot, might even get a European football next season. So two managers, two clubs that are on the up. And the one thing is, I actually still feel there's a little bit left on Aston Villa. I think they, they have a little bit more to go. And Newcastle, they're 10 points clear to seventh place, which is unbelievable. So they're guaranteed some sort of European football next season. And yeah, look at everybody's chipping in. Almiron, Wilson, Isak, 11, 10 and 8 goals. Trippier getting assists all the time from uh, the right back position. Yeah, really enjoying what I'm seeing. And it's hard to split either either manager for who's probably been best this season yeah I think Colin Marteta probably wins manager of the year if mm. Arsenal go on to win the league but mm. these are probably the best two with the resources that they've had available like Aston Villa particularly 17 games in a row now they've scored Emery's really turned them around post Gerrard brilliant and like I think the one player that encapsulates the significant improvement is Ali Watkins yeah. two league goals prior to Unai Emery's arrival 10 goals since including 9 in his last 11 Keith in your experience as a professional like what what is it do you think that Emery's done differently for Watkins? Because obviously he always had this ability to score goals. So what's the difference? I think sometimes you just get a manager who likes you. I don't know whether Illinois is set down. Illinois Emery, I know he didn't have the best time at Arsenal. I personally think he did okay at Arsenal. But when other clubs he's been at, he has a reputation within Europe as being a winner. And if a winner comes in the door like Illinois and he pulls Ollie Watkins to one side and says, listen, you're my centre forward, you're going to play the bulk of the games. I'm putting my trust in you all of a sudden you're 10 feet tall and you think that's it. And we've seen with Benny McCarthy and Marcus Rashford, it's just little tweaks, little mental tweaks within the game that can get somebody on the front foot and Ollie Watkins really has been the difference at the minute. And he needs a bit of help. Like Ollie Watkins, is he has uh, 12 goals already. Danny Ings is still in the Aston Villa top goal scorers list. Like, yeah. He hasn't been there since January, obviously. So they, if, if other people could start chipping in with Ollie Watkins... Like I say, I think Villa have a little bit left in them. I don't think they're tapped out just yet. So, Illinois Emery is doing a fantastic job and obviously it's, it 
goes to show him what he's doing with Ollie Watkins it's hard to believe he was Newcastle's first choice as well Unai Emery when the Saudis came in yeah. and it was ended up with Eddie Howe and on Newcastle too they've only conceded 21 goals in the last 29 games yeah. Eddie Howe's not exactly uh, known for being a brilliant defensive coach like what's he done differently at Newcastle that he did at say Bournemouth I think he had, he had he bought good players. He bought very very good players. I think Sven Botman is somebody who Newcastle fans will be will be getting a dear to. He had a, a huge reputation within Europe, and Newcastle went out and got him. I think uh, beyond that, I think Dan Bourne bringing him in from Brighton, eight million, yeah. and he's playing left back. I know he's an inverted left back, but. He, he's an outstanding defender really is he's, he's a Geordie he was born up there he wants to play for the club and when you have people like that within the dressing room and obviously Kieran Trippier as well I think he came in for 12 million which is a snippet for I mean, let them go Madrid right he back he was the first big signing he almost set the tone as to what they wanted to do getting an established yeah. England international I'm sure, like, I'm sure he's key in the dressing room as well yeah and look at defensively he's made some Outstanding signings. I think Kieran Trippier. I've played him. He's a, he's a brilliant, brilliant right back. Diego Simeone helped him be a, a better defensive right back as well. And Nick Pope and goal as well. Yeah. I think they've all just hit the ground running, and that's what you want with your signings. When you look at this Newcastle side, right? They're obviously associated with having limitless budgets, mm. but I don't think they have any world class players. Maybe Bruno Gomerich in midfield. Kieran Trippier on his day is an absolutely yeah. outstanding full back, and they're third in the Premier League now. Does that go to show that it's not been a great Premier League for consistent quality? Are they overachieving? Uh, I I think with some of the players within that team, like you look at the likes of Joe Linton's been out, been yeah. fabulous. But on paper, if you were to replace him with somebody with a little bit more goil, a little bit more class, if you were to replace Longstaff with somebody with a little bit more goil and a bit more class, you're thinking Newcastle are a serious, serious alpha at the minute. At at this minute in time, with the personnel they have, they're slightly overachieving. But Eddie Howe is as brought new life into Joe Linton Almiron didn't look a player until Eddie Howe comes in the door so he's improved players within him he's bought one or two world class players I think Sven Botman myself personally I think he will go on to prove himself as a world class centre half and as you say Kieran Trippier on his day he is centre half and I think Nick Pope is somebody who could be in that Newcastle goal for years to come and become a Newcastle legend as well Did you think Eddie Howe was this good a manager? Um, no, I didn't. I, I have to be honest. Um, <clears throat> but look, I, I'm I'm basing it on my time at Burnley. Eddie Howe was a, a young manager. I think he was in his early yeah. 30s when he got that job. So it was always going to be a huge ask for him. And look, personally, training sessions were good. The, the way he wanted us to play out was good. I just thought it was a little bit football, football, football. There was no plan B. And, you know, after 10 minutes, I remember we were playing Yeovil and they're, they're boom because we haven't, it's nil all at half time and we're trying to play out from the back. And it, it just didn't seem to link up quite right. The, his philosophy and, and the crowd, how it was all linked up. But, Look, he's obviously proven himself that a bit of cash behind him and a bit of... He, look, he, he hasn't just thrown cash at it. You can't say that. Although he has spent over 200 million, 12 million on Trippier, 8 million on, yeah. on Dan yeah. Bourne. He spent it wisely as yeah. well. I know Bruno Gomares was a, a little bit more uh, sturdy and that's so was Botman, but great signings and all hit the ground running. Given, like even Tom's philosophy from the very start there, he could possibly get good technical players this summer because in a way the next month is really important for Newcastle they finish inside the top four the money that comes from financial fair play from the Champions League is really helpful I think maybe that opens the purse strings a little bit and for players you're more attractive if you're playing in the Champions League as well he gets good players in is he the type of manager who can mould good players into a really good team here? I think so, yeah. I think we've seen that. Like, if we go back to the likes of Almiron again, Almiron's obviously a very good player. He wouldn't be in the Premier League if he wasn't. But Eddie Howe has brought him to that next level where he's scoring goals. He, he has that. He's a very good presser as well. Within the press, he, he's very good at jumping out and and 
and forcing the ball. So look, Eddie Howe can improve players. I think the the big thing is for Newcastle is if they get Champions League football, all of a sudden there's going to be a transfer market open to them which they never shopped in before. And I know people will say, but they have the million, so it's open. It's not. Players in general, top, top players I'm talking about, they don't want to just go and play for the club. They want to play for clubs in the Champions League. So, Well, if you've got the money and you don't have that status, you probably get the wrong type of player because you get guys who are just going there for money. Exactly, yes. So you, you want young, hungry, ambitious players who still want to prove themselves, want yeah. to play in the Champions League. You don't want you know, necessarily an older pro coming down in his trajectory. You want people going up in their trajectory. And their, their scouting system at the minute, like I say, all the signings have hit the ground running. So... It'd be interesting to see what sort of transfers they bring in in the summer. Mm. The other thing, Colm, as well, we talked about Newcastle weeks ago struggling to score and now Isak and Wilson have both hit form at the same time. Yeah. Wilson was banging them in against Wolves a couple of weeks ago. Isak gets a goal last week and probably that keeps pressure on each other and it seems it's brought a bit of form out of both of them too. Matt, you two boys said to me Isak doesn't score goals and look at him now. <laughs> yeah. Fine. No, he was all, like I think we all, everyone knows he's a brilliant player and I'm definitely surprised by how many goals he is scoring. Like I thought he had a goal in him but not to this level and I think we're like your spot on there's probably and you probably tell us better than anyone that there's nothing like a competitive spirit between two strikers because the ego must be huge in both yeah. of them. Yeah, well, that, that I, I used to love watching it because I would usually be out on the wing in these yeah. crossing and finishing sessions and I'd be putting balls in and if you put a little float you went into the, the centre-forward who's playing against the other centre-forward. I, I had it with Danny Ings and uh, Sam Vokes were really, really like that with each other, but it pushes everybody on because if I put a bad ball in for Vokes and he doesn't score, he's going to give me an earful all of a sudden. I'm on edge when I'm crossing and it just breeds new life into, into the changing room and that's what you want and... Look, other than training with shin guards on, I think that's exactly what you need. Just that competitive edge between strikers. It's it's exactly what you need in this wrestling. When you're seeing those two strikers so in training, would they be giving each other advice or would they be keeping it to themselves about I'd, how to finish better? <laughs> There'll be very little advice. There'll be an awful lot of, uh, let's say, banter going on, people slagging each other. But it gets serious because we're all on the same team at the end of the day. In the dressing room, there would be quiet wars. Like I, I would say to Vauxy, like if whichever way I like to cross go to the front post go to the back post it's easier for me to hit you there there'll be little things within the dressing room but on the training ground it would be very very competitive and every man for himself really yeah. The other game uh, tomorrow is on Sky Sports is the half five kickoff, which is the champions Man City taking on Leicester. Leicester under Dean Smith after their uh, change in management uh, just over a few days ago, eight days ago when uh, Brendan Rodgers left the club. Um, Keith, on, on paper, this looks like one-sided. Man City take Bayern Munich to the cleaners during the week have set that tie up very nicely for themselves. Uh, they've got players to come back in, maybe Reid Maris who was rested during the week. Yeah. Uh, he's got the luxury of the squad to rotate here as well. And you've got Erling Haaland just in absolutely ridiculous form. 45 goals in 39 games. Um, insane stuff. Yeah, really, really insane stuff. And it, the, the one glimmer of hope I was going to give to Leicester fans was that maybe Manchester City and Pep will tinker a bit because they, they obviously have Bayern Munich again next week. They're 3-0 up in that. I don't think... I, th- I think they'll be absolutely fine I do think there'll be a bit of tinkering but like you said it'll be like some Mares folding and all coming into the team it's not going to lessen them any, any, uh, to, a, to a huge degree and it, the one thing about Erling Haaland his assist for uh, for Bernardo Silva last week was unbelievable I, I was screaming at the telly for him to shoot on that left foot of his 18 yards out he just dinks it to the back post and then Bernardo Silva comes in with a lovely little header that sort of stuff you know, from such, I, I don't want to call him selfish and single minded, but that's what he is. He is selfish at times, but for him to see that, to see that he has the shot on and just think, no, there's somebody in a better position, I'll dink that across the box. It was brilliant, brilliant stuff. And 
I think Manchester City have you know, they've blown everybody away. Twenty-seven goals in the last five in the last seven games, five clean sheets, only conceded two goals in that time. You know, I'm an Arsenal fan and I'm quaking in my boots. I think they're just clicking into top gear and gonna if they don't get the treble, I think they'd be very, very close to it. And I think the, the Premier League and the Champions League is what they really, really want and I can't see them I can see them going and getting both at least. Leicester have gone uh, 15 games without keeping a clean sheet. Mm. What are they saying in the dress room regarding Erling Haaland before they go out? Hope like, what not, are they hope he's not playing, Colin. Because you said yourself, um, Fernando Torres and your ego had to be there yeah. when you played for Blackburn against <clears throat> Liverpool Landfield when Torres is red hot form and you were you were saying like two guy and the boys were you know terrified of him. Yeah. And, his, and you're talking Haaland is at a completely different level, even at peak Torres. Yeah. Like, what are they saying in the dress room beyond the obvious of like, oh, we're terrified there? I'm not too sure I, I think Dean Smith goes in there obviously it's his first game I think he just sort of says listen lads let's get let's have a free here let's just go out swing a few punches and see where it lands us if we get beat 2 or 3 nil, 4 nil, 5 nil, so be it but let's swing a few punches because everybody expects him to be beat I expect him to be beat actually quite handsomely so why not go there if they were to go and get a draw stick around in the game <clears throat> the one thing is maybe Haaland doesn't play yeah. Then Julian Alvarez starts up front, you know, a World Cup winner. So it, it, again, it just doesn't get any easier, and you don't see a route for Leicester to win the game. But I don't know what Dean Smith is saying to be sent to halves. You know, I really don't. Maybe you kick him, I kick him, everybody kick him. But well, that's the thing. If you're John Terry now on the Leicester coaching staff, mm. are you going into Dean Smith's ear and say, "Look, I think what you should do is man mark him or have two men on him"? Would you do that, or would you go just worry about the whole City team because there's so many different threats? You've got Jack Grealish and the form yeah. of his life. You see, that, that's the problem. If you double up on Haaland, you're going to leave Grealish 1v1 or Riyad Mahrez on the other side 1v1 and then all of a sudden holes start to appear. I think you just have to take it you know, on a, a play-by-play basis. Whoever is most dangerous at the time, you go over and you just shepherd him into certain areas. And The one thing you can't let him do is build up his speed because he can be five, six yards behind you and then we've seen De Bruyne just play that ball in behind and he eats up the ground. So I think Leicester might play some sort of low block and, and try and frustrate City, keep them out maybe they're a bit leggy from midweek just keep in the game Leicester and see what happens because they will have moments in time you know Leicester are a Premier League team with good good players on paper so they will have moments in this game where they will have chances so they need to be absolutely ruthless hit the back of the net with what little chances they get and somehow keep Manchester City out Have you ever had a game yourself um, where you're thinking about the opposition full back 24 hours before and then all you're thinking about is this player before you go onto the pitch yeah, all the time. I did that in every game, but I, I seen a, a sports psychologist, and the first thing he was saying to me was, you know, visu- mentally and visu- visualize the player you're up against, visualize yourself running past him, how you're going to go through him, what he's going to do, what you're going to do. So I would have little exercises like that on a Friday night, just visualizing whoever I was up against. That was normal practice for me, really. But I would urge a lot of people to do it because I think it helped me just visualizing myself doing it the night before and then actually going and doing it the next day. Yeah, because you could do the opposite where you completely tune out. And- don't think about it at all till you go to the mm-hmm. pitch but it's interesting to have that approach because either way with Haaland he's going to be there like yeah, exactly, there's yeah. no avoiding him yeah, yeah. well like I said I just don't know I think the Leicester sent the halves and they've been so poor defensively that you know are they going to get are they going to put a performance together all of a sudden and just keep Manchester City out are City going to be really poor but you know if 80% Manchester City torn up and 100% Leicester City still win the game yeah. maybe not for this fixture but is this something Dean Smith can fix though maybe come in strip it back to basics try and make them difficult to beat over these last eight games of the season that's probably his primary goal isn't it yeah look staying in the Premier League is what he's been brought in to do and like I say on paper Leicester have the players the, the, the one big one for me is Madison if you get mm-hmm. Madison playing if you get Madison ticking 
then I think Leicester will be okay. They ha- he can he can he can score goals. He can create goals. He can lift the crowd with his free kicks. His set pieces are unbelievable. But I just have a feeling his head's been torn. Really? Like, yeah, at the start of the season, I, there was a, he was flirting with Newcastle a little bit. Mm. I think there's Arsenal rumours as well coming around now. And I'm not saying he's saying like, oh, we're relegated, that's it. Mm. But it's very, very hard when the chips are down and you're thinking, you know, we're going to get relegated. But in the back of your mind, your agent telling you, don't worry, City wants you, Newcastle wants you, Liverpool wants you. Yeah. It's very, very hard to be in the trenches with your mates when you have that in the back of your head. So for and he's me, wearing the armband as well. That's the, that's and the you worry. See, that I, I know turned. it was just a bad back pass last week that yeah. gave away the goal. That, that game was on a knife edge, mm. it really was. And then for a, a bad back pass, I just don't know. It, it is fixable. But it's it's a huge, huge job. Yeah, especially the way things are looking towards the bottom of the table. And for you, Colm, City have been sloppy in some fixtures this year, but now at this point they've gone ten games winning in all competitions consecutively. They're well set up for that game in Munich midweek. They got the FA Cup semi final next week. This is proper business end of the season for City now. I don't think complacency comes in for them. Not a chance. Not a chance. The treble is tantalizing for them, like the first side in twenty first century to do it. And I think they will. Like I think this is the the best I've seen City. Like I think it was the 2017-18 side was probably the best Premier League team I'd ever seen when David Silva was running the show from deeper. But now they've just added that freak dimension up front. Like it's a generational talent. Plus Greedish is so much better. Ever since Joe Cancelo left, he seems to have the left hand side to himself. And this um, idea of playing four defenders at the back and then going to a three and a two like he Pep's evolved again and I just don't see the reason I just think they're going to win the treble is I just don't see any side domestically or in Europe that are better than City it's as simple as that and um, what do you think? No I, I, I agree with you I think City are head and shoulders above anybody in Europe at the minute but I just think they overthink it they want to sow so much sometimes Pep can overthink it and I, I do I think you're right with John Stones playing that right back going into the midfield I do think he can do that a little bit better but sometimes he does things like as a player you know when he criticised Kyle Walker last week and said he, he's not educated enough he hasn't got the educated yeah. movements to play mm-hmm. in the midfield then why say that? Like Something he, he in his attitude. Say that. Surely is it? Yeah, well, he's saying he's not he's not educated enough. To, he's not smart enough yeah. to play in the midfield. Which look, I played with Coyle, and Coyle wouldn't be, you know, the, the smartest of footballers. But his pace gets him out of an awful lot of trouble. He is. He's more than capable footballer. But I think if that is Pep's opinion, which you know, far be it from me to question it. Why say it in the media? Yeah. Say it to his face. I don't fancy you in the midfield, and you keep that in house mm. to criticise him in the in the media and say that. I just felt it a little bit needless really still a very tough side the draw in the Champions League as well like Real Madrid will probably get through against Chelsea next week and then you'd expect Real Madrid to be able to rest players because they know La Liga is finished while City are going to be right in the middle of a title race and trying to win the cup at the same time as well I wonder if that's going to catch up slightly when they play Real Madrid again or will maybe they be inspired by letting the tie slip last season and yeah the field I think so there. I think you're right but like like the only I think the only person to get in Man City's way is going to be Pep Guardiola himself mm. if he decides to do something like a jazz solo Radvery up front against Chelsea in the Champions League final 2021 but like look we like the Real Madrid conundrum is there like because they have that muscle memory of they're just so confident yeah. in every game because they know how to win games and there's something about they don't really have a discernible really attractive style of play we won't be talking about this Real Madrid side in decades to come being like oh my god the football they played was sensational they just have this calm 
composure and confidence about them that doesn't matter what you do to us like at Anfield yep. when Liverpool raced into a 2-0 lead they're like yeah don't worry about it yeah, they're, they're effective though like they went to the new Camp last week won 4-0 they brushed Chelsea aside probably should have won by a few more midweek and I, actually, I love that big game that team. Real Madrid team people talk oh, break the lines tactics this go through that do that Real Madrid just turned up and said doesn't matter what you do we're going to win the game of football and I love that it's just we're going to win they're a perfect doesn't representation of their manager uh, I love so that calm. because you can yeah. get so bogged down in tactics and stuff and and so he just turns up and is like, yeah, we're going to win. Don't, doesn't matter what you do, we're going to win. It's the football kickoff with Sky, all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sport. Uh, we've been talking about Man City, won the t- contenders. What about the team that's at top of the table? Arsenal have got a London derby. They go to West Ham, two o'clock on Sky Sports on Sunday. It's also live here and off the ball with Stephen Doyle and Brian Kerr. Keith, you were watching West Ham uh, last night in the Conference League. Um, I'm not sure these fixtures are all that helpful for West Ham where points in the Premier League are more important. Um, but a tricky little run now to go from playing Ghent on the Thursday into playing Arsenal who've had a break now because they're out of Europe um, in this London derby on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, it's a huge couple of weeks for uh, for David Moyes. <coughs> He's... Um Excuse me. Obviously, has Ghent, played Ghent last uh, last night. Drew one all. Very very underwhelming. West Ham weren't good at all. I know they made a, a couple of changes. Danny Ings came in up front, but just nowhere near good enough defensively. The way they pressed, it was so off. It was two or three yards off. It was really slow. The way they moved the ball, not enough goals in the team. But they they just they sorry. They've Ghent Arsenal then Ghent. If he was to lose against Arsenal, which I expect West Ham to do, and then somehow lose against Ghent, you fear for David Moyes, don't you? I know he, he survived a really horrific result. We were after the five went in, we were thinking. Mm. Yeah, well, if, if he didn't, if he didn't get sacked after the Newcastle result, you're thinking maybe he's okay. But I think what's what's holding the West Ham fans at bay ever so slightly is the European, uh, the Conference League. If they were to go and win that, which with the teams left in it, West Ham could easily go and do. They could win it, but you know, I think. Premier League, Premier League, Premier League is your bread and butter. If they were going to win that and get relegated, what's the point really? You know, the, the squad is so, so stretched. They had to bring Creswell on, Antonio on last night. They're bringing the big boys off the bench to to see out a draw against Ghent. So I have very, very little confidence in this West Ham team at the minute. Um, I'm not sure if David Moyes will be there beyond the season. It, it just seems like it's been tapped out, like he's reached the pinnacle with West Ham. But... Can they go and get Anton against Arsenal in the London derby? I'm not so sure. Arsenal look rested, having played during the week. Really, really good against Liverpool last weekend. I did the co-commentary on that. For the first 45 minutes, they were really good. Second 45, they worked hard. I know Liverpool went and got the draw, but Arsenal showed a bit of backbone that I liked. And a lot of teams would have lost that game in Anfield last week, and Arsenal didn't. So I give them a bit of, a bit of props for that. And I expect them now to get back to normal and put West Ham to the sword. Is that the difference with Arsenal this year? Because you think of some of these tight games. Now, a few so we were talking about the late goal against Bournemouth, the late goal against Manchester United earlier this season. That there's a bit of grit about Arsenal this year. Yeah, there's a bit of grit, and like I say, losing becomes a habit very, very quickly. I think winning becomes a habit as well. And Arsenal don't they don't they don't have that losing feeling. I think it's three Premier League games they've lost so far this season. It's a great record. Just that the front lads up front, you know, you can see one or two goals in a game, and you can still think Martinelli, Saka, Shaka, Odegaard, the goals they're scoring, Martinelli, uh, uh, fourteen goals already, yeah. Saka for twelve, and the other wing, they just and Odegaard in behind that with ten goals. They've goals from all over the pitch. You know, you go and like we said, if we double up on Saka, double up on Martinelli, you've got Jesus through the middle over the guard as well. And Trossard has been an outstanding signing. And he was saying Arsenal have come out on the right side of a lot of things. The the Bournemouth result, the Aston Villa result, the Mar- uh, the Trossard one. 
I know I've said it before, but they wanted Mudrick, didn't get Mudrick and end up with Trossard, and you're thinking... Happy accident, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. brilliant. You know, yeah. why they weren't going for Trossard in the first place yeah. is excellent. Look, Mudrick looks like he's an absolute player. He, he looks like he will be a good Premier League player, but Trossard, his assists, the way he glides on the ball... I think he's a little bit of stardust off the bench to Arsenal. Also, you're buying a proven Premier League player, mm. and you're guy, a guy who's running up proven numbers at this stage for both Brighton and Arsenal. Yeah, and I, the one thing with, with Trossard was it wasn't a once-off in the Belgian team as well. He's an international Belgian player, and obviously the Belgian have great, great stock in the in the national team. So when Trossard is involved in that, you're thinking, okay, he plays well for Brighton, but can he do that in the league club? Well, he's doing that in a very, very big uh, country. So we always had an awful lot of uh, a lot of trust in Trossard. Didn't expect him to hit the ground running like he did, even though it was Premier League. The Premier League, like I say, it's gone, he's gone to an elite club in Arsenal now, but looks every bit the player we wanted him to be. As an Arsenal supporter, what was your overriding emotion at full time last weekend at Anfield, considering the sequence of goals? Yeah, I, stay neutral because you're on the radio. I would yeah, yeah, I was trying. Was uh, Stephen Doyle was uh, he, he's a Liverpool fan as well? I think so. It was a little bit touchy between the two of us. It's like fan zone at times. Yeah. But no, it was the, the one time Ransdale made an awful lot of good saves. I think he yeah. made uh, two one-on-one saves. Made a brilliant save. Uh, Salah got a deflected shot by Salah, and it was a world-class save. So I was happy to get the point. And again, it's probably looking at it from an Arsenal fan point of view. I, the backbone we showed I, I think 9 out of 10 teams would have lost that game against Liverpool when they had their tails up and their, their peppering the goal Ramsdale's making saves Arsenal just stayed in it and I think that is that bit of difference is the bit of grit and the bit of work rate and just getting sweat on the jersey and just not lying down when people expect them to just going against the grain and it's a great great quality to have I think for Arsenal now because their focus is so single minded it's get through every week yeah. and just stay ahead of Man City has to be the plan yeah and uh, like I said when you come out of Europe and Spartan beat them you're thinking oh that's awful but in the back of your head you're thinking this is a blessing in disguise you know like like we're talking about with West Ham going out of Europe could be a blessing in disguise and if Arsenal do go on to win the Premier League I think they will look at that and think that was a blessing in disguise to, to lose the, the European fixture Half past four on Sunday we've also got on Sky Sports Nottingham Forest who are in complete free fall at the moment against Manchester United we also have live commentary here on OTB with Nathan Murphy returning alongside Kenny Cunningham for that one Colm I'll come to you first as the resident Manchester United fan here I left the office last night with Manchester United 2-0 up oh. probably should have been 4 or 5 up by half time the two Sabitzer goals were incredible Martial's little <coughs> bit of skill before it Bruno Fernandes passed for the second goal United look really comfortable. Coco Lamella probably should have been sent off before half time. Mm-hmm. Uh, this tie is only going one way. Sevilla mm-hmm. again are struggling in La Liga. Would probably, despite their love for the Europa League, wouldn't mind going out. And then they conspire to get two own goals late on. Then you see Martinez being lifted off the pitch by two of his international colleagues. Very nice of him. We don't know how long Rashford's going to be out for. That tie changed in about a five six minute spell. Will two of the biggest freak goals you'll ever see? Yeah, ever. I mean, it's almost, that would only happen to Harry Maguire, by the way. <laughs> yeah. that, that header was going out to the corner flag, like, and it hit him and went in. No, look, Will, I, I thought the same as you after an hour. I said, oh, I think I'm going to go to bed. I'll have the, I'll have the match on my phone. Mm-hmm. And I just put it down to the side as it approached 75, 80 minutes. And Molassi nearly made it three. And I had it down to the side. And I was only listening to it. Mm-hmm. And then the commentary started rising when Molassi leaves the ball, go inside. I cannot believe this. 2-1. And this is uh, potentially detrimental to the rest of the United season because not alone uh, will they have to go next Thursday to the return leg. A couple of days later, they have Brighton in the FA Cup semi-final. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at potentially three trophies to one. And uh, it goes to show the form of Manchester United since the League Cup final. And, and both those sides have gone completely the opposite way. And the worry from United's perspective is that they seem to have peaked late February. Now, I would say there's massive improvement between now and Ralph Fragnick's time, this time last season. 
but the culture of the last decade is still very apparent at the club very very apparent and they were freak goals nonetheless but how United didn't see that game out just wouldn't have happened in a previous era just would not have happened yeah Martinez is a huge loss potentially we don't know how long he's going to be out for yeah. I think the feeling seemed to be Keith after the game it's not his Achilles tendon so possibly it's not a season ender but if he is a few weeks out he is so crucial to how they defend yeah he is there was big question marks of him when he came in the door uh, mostly just because of his height playing at centre half but he, he put them to bed very very quickly then worries and you start looking at the United team and I'm not sure how accurate this is but it's telling me Garnacho, Rashford, Martinez, Varane won't play on the weekend so if, if that's to be believed the United squad all of a sudden is starting to look a little bit stretched and Rashford a lot of people are saying that he's papering over the cracks at United that there is an awful lot of problems still there and Rashford's goal is getting them out, out of trouble I would go along with that to a certain degree. I do think United have improved. They've come on leaps and bounds under Ten Hag, but I still think they're a little bit off the, the, the likes of Manchester City and the Arsenals of this world. But look, I, I thought the gap was an awful lot bigger than it was. I think United have done well to bridge the gap. They're probably probably overachieving at, the, at this moment in time. So? But yeah, I think so, yeah. I think I think there's an awful lot better teams in the league than them. I think Arsenal are obviously better, City are better. I think Brighton are playing a better brand of football than them. I even think uh, Brentford at certain times in, 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 uh, within the league have been better than them. But look, they, they've got to where they got the league, doesn't lie. They deserve to be there, but mm. I do think there's better footballing teams in the league than Manchester United. And like I say, with them injuries, Martinez and Rashford, the big ones, I think in every chance and I, I actually think I know this is probably a little bit a little bit mad but I think Forrest might get something out of this game they're a completely different team at home yeah. they pick up their majority of their points at home they pick up they score the majority of their goals at home Steve Cooper would he'll know they're looking over their shoulder they don't want to stay in that relegation zone so I don't think it's it's exactly sometimes when the big boys come to town for the, less, the so-called lesser teams you're saying it's a free hit I don't think Forrest would be looking at that with this sort of... Well, Forrest and Sinigarn have been really sticky for the top teams in the league. They've all found it very difficult going there. So that's the thing. And uh, you wonder how much do Manchester United change up for midweek as well. Because now, it's funny, if you finish 2-0, you're very comfortable going to Seville mm-hmm. next week. I think Ten Hag probably has to have a bit of a think about what's going to happen next week now. Yeah, and that's it. Like he's he's not going to win the Premier League. It's all about where he's going to finish. So does he target the European competition and say, we have a chance of winning the trophy there, we'll go and win that? Possibly, which means he makes changes. He wants to win the Brighton game of the FA Cup next week too. Yeah, of course. So is he if he's going to make changes and with the with the changes that are going to be enforced on him, you know, obviously there's a golfing class between Manchester United and Forest when both teams torn up and they're at hundred percent. But all of a sudden it's becoming a little bit of a leveler with with United's players missing and maybe Ten Hag going to tinker a little bit. Like I said, I think the the City ground to be bouncing might just get something out of Forest. Mm. What do you think, Colin? Yeah, I'm a bit worried about that. You're pensive, yeah. I would <laughs> say. A bit worried, all right, yeah. Uh, I'd say United will win 2-1, but it won't be convincing. What do, what do you make of Anthony Martial? <laughs> I thought he was quite good against Sevilla when he dropped deeper. He was brilliant for the two goals. He has yeah. that skill in him. Yeah, good, good ball through for Sabah. So he is very, very frustrating, but I think a lot of it's down to his body language. I think for some yeah. reason he looks... It's misleading, like, is yeah, it? Yeah, sometimes it'll be a bit misleading. He loses the ball and he has that look uh, the look of arrogance yeah. like I don't really care but I think that's just how he plays and I think people get really annoyed with him but one thing for him is he needs to stay fit he needs a couple of months where he's just playing week in week out and he's coming in coming out coming in coming out and doing okay not disgracing himself but needs a run of games needs to be super super fit and get a run of games under his belt it's, sorry go on man. no I was just going to say right, Monday night then you've got a traditional game I would say Leeds against Liverpool 8pm Sky Sports we were listening to John Giles last night, Keith. His worry about his old team leads 
they're just shipping goals mm. and they look like they're going to concede quite a bit but when he talked about this game he said the one benefit Leeds have and it sounds exactly like what we just said about Nottingham Forest at Ellen Road they're a different prospect to when they're on the road yeah and look Ellen Road it's, it's one of them places um, you just you love to play there as an opposition player I loved playing there I loved going to Ellen Road the atmosphere that will be absolutely bouncing it's I, I, Liverpool away from home it's it's making me leads to towards leads because Liverpool away from home this season have been nowhere near the Liverpool that would that we uh, that we expect to see. But Javi Javi Garcia since he's gone in it, it's been up and down and up and down. And after the five one defeat the Crystal Palace, you're thinking what's going to happen here? Like, but they're obviously going to stick with him till the end of the season. It's the home form of Leeds. If Leeds can somehow I, I, I do actually give them a chance of getting something against uh, Liverpool because I do I think the game will go into Le- Leeds' favour Liverpool will keep the ball with the likes of Yonto Bamford Somerville Arison Harrison these ha- the Leeds have the players to go and hurt you on the counter attack hurt you from open play as well so I do think Leeds will get on the score sheet Liverpool will revert uh, revert back to type after doing so well uh, against Arsenal and Anfield last week I think the, the, their away form will come and bite them on the arse and Leeds will go and get something out of Would you take Mo Salah off penalties? Yes I yeah. would I think you have to sometimes I don't think a player is ever going to say I don't want to take a penalty especially somebody like Mo Salah so sometimes you just have to take him out of the line for his own good Probably depends who's on the pitch though doesn't it? Like if you have Milner there he's an elite penalty taker I think Henderson's a pretty good penalty taker whether they're going to play or not is the question but is it a case of picking anybody else on the pitch and not destroy this guy's confidence if he misses again? Or do you think he's elite enough to be like, don't mind that? I, I don't think Mo, that's why I say, Mo's obviously a, a, an elite, elite footballer. He's not going to ever want to turn down the chance to hit the back of the net. So, I don't know, maybe a Darwin Nunes, maybe somebody, Milner, anybody, but I, I would take him off him because he's never going to say it himself. Players that are, are too proud, that they're their they're egos are too too big to yeah. say, I'll step away from this, it needs to sort of happen. But look, if if you have Mo Salah saying, I, I fancy taking it, mm. it's a big man that says no. He didn't look confident last week when he was stepping no, out. He didn't, he didn't. And like, to not even hit the target, I know he's, he's trying to roll her in the corner, but to, to not hit the target, at least make the keeper save it. I think that's a manager and a, and a coach's pet peeve is at least to make the goalkeeper save it. Don't hit it wide and he rolled it just wide and that's it. he's just trying to be too accurate isn't he yeah does he need to change his technique because it was very similar to the Bournemouth miss yeah look I, maybe I'm a little bit old school I didn't take penalties myself the mental the mental side of it got to me before he even got the ball so the, the run ups to me the Jorginho run up when he jumps up yeah. and Salah's little dance to the right and then goes up I, I think run at the ball with all your, all your pace and hit it because otherwise you start messing around they think you're giving the impetus back to the goalkeeper and yeah. you, you need to keep your pace in the run up but Look, I think there's a way to miss a penalty and a way to score a penalty. And if you miss, you miss the right way. There's also ways to uh, lose games and to win games as well. And Liverpool this season are just so frustrating. If you can have a 7-0 type performance a few weeks ago, then play terribly in the two or three games after that, then play really well against Arsenal. That makes no sense whatsoever with consistency, with the kind of tempo to their performances, which is sometimes lacking. And then the bigger games, they seem to be able to find it. Yeah, and look, everybody knows when when you're a, an elite player, you don't need to be motivated for the big games. The big games look after themselves. It, it's the ones like Leeds away. Are, Liver, are the Liverpool players going to go up for it? Because they've had so many big, big nights over the last couple of years that this maybe comes a little bit more mundane for them. I know it, it's 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 live it do or die for Leeds really. But can Liverpool raise their levels to what Leeds are going to be? Because Leeds are going to be so determined, so energetic. And it's up to Liverpool to match them. Now, if Liverpool match their work rate of Leeds and they match the passion and the desire of Leeds, there's every chance Liverpool will get something that talent will shine through. 
but I don't think Liverpool will match that desire. I think they're I think they look leggy at times. They've been able to raise it, especially at home with the with the cop in full voice. But when they go away from home, the levels drop. They drop so 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 much in the final tour, they haven't been able to put a pass together at the back. They can't keep the ball out of the back of the net. Van Dijk's coming out saying he is tired, mm. which is never a good sign. And do you take him out? Your, your number one centre half, probably the best centre half in the world. There's so many big calls. I think at the minute it's just gone a little bit stale at Liverpool and Klopp needs a, a big revamp. Speaking of, do you think Jurgen Klopp will continue in the Liverpool job? I would have said yes from the outside looking in, but I, I'm looking at his press conferences and his body language and he doesn't look like a happy man to me. And I don't expect him to look happy yeah. given how Liverpool are doing, but it looks a little bit deeper than that. Like he, he, he's took this Liverpool team as far as he can take them. And but that's maybe, the question, does he have another great side in him at the club? To be honest, I think that depends on finances. I think he might have another great Liverpool team in him, but he needs to go out and buy probably two or three players to add to what he has. Will he be given? And you have to think, who else is in the market? So they're going to have to outbid the likes of a Manchester City, a Manchester United, or a Tottenham, a Chelsea. <coughs> do Liverpool have the funds to do that? Not really. So they're shopping. We were just thinking that during the week. It's like, so Enzo Fernandez goes for a huge amount of money to Chelsea. I'm sure Liverpool would have loved to have brought him in. Yeah. Jude Bellingham, it appears. Now, whether it's a smokescreen or not, that they're now out of the race to sign him when they were long term admirers. I'm not sure. Alexis McAllister will probably become available this summer. Brighton will sell maybe one of their best players, but they're going to want top dollar for him too. It's very, very difficult for Liverpool when Man City, Chelsea, maybe Arsenal now, if they win the title, will all be sniffing around these players with loads of money to spend. Yeah, and this is what I mean. Over the, over the last maybe five years Liverpool have been one of the top dogs in and around European football so the best talent the best players are attracted to their people are offering their players to Liverpool now Liverpool are shopping in the transfer market they're not used to they're, they're, they're not quite at the top tier although Liverpool with historically they are at the top tier I'm talking about now the top players aren't going to want to go there if McAllister uh, Alexis McAllister at Brighton if Liverpool knocking the door and Manchester City knocking the door or even an Arsenal knocking the door you're not going to Liverpool, are you? No. So, in all fairness, I don't think you do. And I don't think they have the finances to go out and get the best players. So, I think they're going to have to unearth a couple of diamonds, maybe bring some one, one or two through from the academy. But I wonder, just before we go on that one, will they regret the Nunes signing where maybe they would have been better off to go a little bit short up front and get the midfielder last summer that they required rather than bringing in another big striker? Yeah, well, look, hindsight's a wonderful thing. I think we all knew they were, they were hanging on for Jude Bellingham. When they were making signings in the summer, they was like, oh, yeah, but Jude will come available and we'll get Jude. He'll be the, the centre midfielder. Obviously, it looks like they're going to get priced out of that, but it's it's not just the centre midfield. Centre midfield is a big one. Even if they brought Jude Bellingham in there, it, it he still needs a couple more with him. Do they regret the Darwin Nunes signing? I don't think so. I think Nunes will become a very good Liverpool player. The one thing, and I hate going back to it, it's the Mane so let Mane go to Bayern Munich mm. I, I just don't understand it. I really don't maybe he, he can come back in the cheap now after hitting Sané during the <laughs> yeah <laughs> possibly maybe yeah to get him out on loan but to be fair it, it just wasn't the move of an elite club in England you know yeah. oh, we, we'll cash in for the 40 million he's only a year left on his deal Manchester City wouldn't have done that not if they had a player that wanted to stay in the building they'd have kept him regardless of the finances and I think that was just a red flare from Liverpool and Obviously, it hasn't been great since. Yeah, really good weekend of football ahead. You can catch all the action, of course, on Sky. The football kickoff is brought to you with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sport. We'll see you next Friday. The football kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports.